Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Want to join in the fun? Give us a call at 888-728-9941. Jeff, before we get started on the show, uh, you made a commitment last week. Uh, You're going to be sleeping out for Covenant House. How are your preparations going? Uh, I'm putting on my winter weight. Okay. So uh, I had stopped eating bread, and I'm going to eat as much as I possibly can over the next seven days. So I have a little little extra fat while I sleep out there. You're having some success raising money, though, along with awareness, for for, and that's what it's really all about. Well, you know, we we talk about so often how athletes can actually benefit society and the communities they're in, and here's our chance to do the same thing. We shouldn't just talk about it and promote it. It's something that we should do. So it's something that, that I thought that we should do. Well, we'll get back to what you're doing in the community in a minute. Why don't you bring on our guests so we can talk a little college basketball. So right now, hey, Terry, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? So we have on the line Terry Mills, uh, who has a ring as the national championship from the 1989 uh, Michigan basketball team. Jeff, and he, Jeff probably still dreams about that, Terry. I was, I was there. <laughs> I didn't play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> Terry he, he didn't play, but I, I'm sure he was on campus and climbing poles no, and no, everything no, no, else. No, no, uh, no. Some, Jeff, some of the damage that was done there. Jeff can't climb poles, Terry. It, it's good that people <laughs> didn't have cameras back then, huh? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, Terry, we really are excited to have you join us. Uh, college basketball, fun time of year. Um, and he is he is now the analyst for Michigan basketball. You are. And yep. so, uh, you know, this is uh, the official Villanova radio network. So the game will be broadcast here. We've got Michigan coming in next week to play Villanova at the Pavilion. Uh, what are you expecting out of this little rematch of the title game last year? Well, I mean, a lot of people want to say it's a rematch game, but one thing I can say is that both teams have probably changed drastically. Both teams have definitely lost a lot. So... You know, you can look at it as a rematch, but I think both teams are, are, you know, just totally different. You know, I mean, I, I can't can't explain that anymore. I mean, I mean, you've got a lot of experience still over there on the Villanova side because of how, you know, Coach Jay Wright recruits. You know, he has a lot of those, you know, red shirt guys that can, you know, afford to sit out a year, and then when they come in, I mean, they hit the ground running. So uh, I expect them to play like a veteran ball club. Well, let's first talk about the guys that Michigan lost and who they're going to be replaced with. On the Michigan side, you lost three veteran guys in Rockman, Bogner, and Robinson. Who are they going to be able to replace those guys with? Well, you know what? I think they're real, really trying to figure that out. You know, I think you got you know Isaiah Livers who who played uh, quite frequently. You know, last year who's asked to step up, step his role up. You got Jordan Poole, who's definitely going to step his role up, and then we got Charles Matthews, who's returning from last year, also. So I think we've got a, a nucleus of guys that have played. I just don't think that you know when you lose three of your top four scores, that you know you've got to try to find a way to to get that ball in that basket. And I don't think we've got one guy here at Michigan that can just go off night in and night out and just make up for those points that was lost. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of these teams, uh, younger teams, going on the road early in the season and getting this experience for some of those young players? Obviously, it's going to be a great atmosphere at the Pavilion. Can you talk about what that means later on in the season for the players to be in that type of atmosphere now? 
Well, I mean, it means a lot, you know, because you look at Coach John Beeline, Coach teams, they always say that his teams get better as the, as the year progresses, as it goes on. And you can't really judge his teams, you know, in November. But I think it's a good measuring stick. You know, it could be a, you know, wake-up call, you know, um, for his team, be able to say that, hey, this is going to be one of the top teams around. This is This is where we've got to, you know, get to at this point in time. So it's a process, but, you know, sometimes you've got to play those those heavy hitters and those tournament teams that's going to be around in, in March and in late March. So uh, I, I think, like you said, that that atmosphere is going to be amazing going on the road. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. I mean, it's a great experience for this team. One of the signature uh, elements of a beeline coach team is having bigs who can shoot threes. Who it, it, we had Mo Wagner for the last couple we. of years. Did you hear him say well, that? Well, we. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already look. This is the Villanova Network. I'm already in yeah. trouble. Why? <laughs> right. right. Uh, I might have called him out on that. Uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. But 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 Livers. I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough of him to see that whether or not he can be stretched out that far. And then there's supposed to be uh, Brzezikis is supposed to be kind of the next guy to fill that mold. Uh, are those the two guys that Villanova most needs to worry about at this point as far as stretching the floor? Yeah, I would say so. I think that we're we're still trying to find our identity about who's going to stretch the floor. Uh, You know, John Beeline coach teams really like to shoot the three-point shot. That opens up the lane. And, you know, we've had an exhibition game and we've had also a regular season game. And I'm yet to really see who's going to be that guy that can really drain it from the outside and really open it up because they've got guys right now that can put the ball on the floor and get to the basket and and not only, you know, create for themselves but being able to create for others. So if they can get to the rim and be able to kick it out and find out who's going to be those shooters, then I think they'll start to find their identity. One of the things that, as we just talk, talked about with regard to John Beeline teams, is they like to stretch the floor with the bigs. You b- seem to be like one of the original guys who did that. I mean, I, I remember back in the 80s when you were playing, you were one of the guys who would come out despite your height and go and shoot the long-range shot. How much would you like to play in today's game? Oh, I mean, I would love it. I mean, I get credit for it, but I didn't get paid for it. You know, so I, mean, so I would, I would definitely love that. You know, I mean, the, the game has evolved in that that you know you, you can't really get away with uh, the the big methodical center right now because you know you, you're playing in a game where it's up and down. You've got to have mobile big men to be able to switch out on on different players. So the game just has evolved and, and changed so much and. uh I think that's what guys got to start getting in their game. You know, it's not like, hey, you're 6'10", you play inside, that's it. Don't take any shots outside the paint. And that's basically how it was in my era, you know, coming up at Michigan. You know, I've, you know I went 0 for 4 from three-point, and yet I still own a record in the NBA of hitting 13 consecutive. And people say, well, how did you do that? And I'm like, well, you just weren't allowed to shoot those type of shots, you know, in college at that time. So I always like to ask when I get the chance, I obviously will never get a chance to play in a national title game. I wasn't blessed with that skill or height or anything close to it. But what was that experience like for you to, to win a national so title, to play in that game? I just I always marvel at, at the people who have had that experience. That must be something that stays with you every time you hear the March Madness music come on. What's yeah, that like yeah. for you? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you goosebumps because it just brings back memories. And uh, during that time, you know, when March Madness roll around, they, they pull up all these old games and all of a sudden you start getting calls from your friends that, you know, they'd see a young guy like myself out there at 20 years old going up and down the court. I mean, it's, it, it's really uh, it's really amazing to see that. And, and last year, being able to actually call a game, you know, with this Michigan team in the finals, I've had an opportunity to see the impact that they had, you know, on their run like that. And I'm kind of like, man, we were on a run like this. Is this this the way the fan base acts, you know, <laughs> along the along the way? So, I mean, it, it was just uh, it, it was just unbelievable. Well, I, I can mean. tell you, I was in studio with Jeff last year for that run. Yes, that is how the fan base acts. Um, so just, uh, <laughs> but, but so what? <laughs> What's it like to, to be on the other side of the table? I mean, you're out there on the court, you're in the middle, you got the ball in your hand making a difference in the game. You get more nervous watching the game as an announcer waiting for that call to be done? Well, you know what? You, you, you kind of got to, you know, because I'm uh, invested in it, because I've wore that uniform and I know the pain and I, you know, I'm riding on the bus with these guys. I go on the airplane with these guys. So I know what they're going through because I, I've fought that fight and I've lost some fights. So I know what they're going through. So, I mean, it's kind of, you kind of got to, I guess, bite your tongue or, or, or hesitate a little bit while you're, you know, on air because you want to say some things that you probably shouldn't say at that time because you're emotionally caught up in that game. And it took me a few years um, as an analyst to kind of digest that because I used to almost feel like they felt, you know, when they would lose a tough game to a Wisconsin, you would have thought I played. Yeah, you're, you know, you're like, feeling that one. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. Like, man, I don't have anything to say. You know, I'm I'm just as quiet as they are on a bus or on a plane ride because those are the, the emotions that you're involved in and, and, and you're tied to for a lifetime. On that championship run, you guys overcame a, a coaching change. And as we look at 2019 this season, you got five teams with big coaching changes. You got Chris Mack at Louisville, Danny Hurley at UConn. Penny Hardaway at Memphis, Travis Steele at Xavier, and Tom Crean at Georgia. What's it like for those teams? You know, Michigan obviously has the consistency now with Beeline being there over a tenured period of time. For these teams that are, are having to start from scratch, what's that like for them? You did it right in the middle of a run. Yeah, well, season. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be tough on, on them just to start off. You know, those coaches got to come in and pretty much change the culture, you know, and, and kind of implement their own culture and I think all those coaches will do a good job. But, you know, that's how it has to start off, you know, that, hey, things are going to be ran this way. And, you know, with us, it, it wasn't any different because Coach Fisher was there and he was as an assistant the whole way. So it was a very easy transition for us because that wasn't a new voice in the locker room for us because we heard from him all the time, whether it was in practice, in the games, or, or wherever. So it wasn't a big change and it wasn't a uh, – you know, a voice that we haven't heard. In the meantime, there's a coach that's been around forever in Coach K. And I don't know if you saw the game the other night between Duke and Kentucky. Oh, my but, goodness. But but the Duke freshman between Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett, they combined for 83 points. Um, and, and they have others on that team. How do you? What do you say to the rest of the college basketball world to, to, to explain to them that it's not over before the second game of the season? Yeah, well, it's not over, but I mean, if you look at the way ESPN and the press and everybody foresees it, it's almost like this team is go go undefeated. Will they lose or whatever? And like I said, I've witnessed March Madness, and and it's hard to stay undefeated. And 
once you get around the March Madness, all you got to do is catch a team that's hot, and then you're looking around saying, well, how did this team, you know, beat beat, beat this team? But, I mean, yeah, that, that team is just unbelievable. Uh, we had a game that day, so by the time I got home, cut the TV on, I think they had 100 points, and I think <laughs> Kentucky was down 25, and I'm kind of like, are you serious? I mean, what, what's going on here? You know, how are they down 25, and you're talking about – what, the number two against the number four or however it was. But, I mean, they're just amazing, you know. And, I mean, I, I can't wait to see them again. I don't think it's a fluke, and I, I think they're going to be a, a team to be reckoned with. Some of Coach Calipari's faces during that game were absolutely classic. <laughs> they became memes quickly online. What's it like, though, you know, for a team, you know, you've obviously got a little bit older team with experience now in terms of what they went through last year. When When you face a young team like that, is it is it just ramping up the pressure, make, having them make decisions faster that you try and do, or what do you do when you have talent like that on the court to try and guard and take down? Well, you know what, it's going to be extremely difficult. I'm sure that they're going to see a lot of gimmick defenses throughout the year, whether it's matchup zones, whether it's zone defense, whether it's full court pressure, and and those are the type of things that they're going to face all season long. Is because of the talent level that they have, and not only outside of those three guys that you mentioned earlier, they're going to run into a whole lot of, you know, like I said, boxing one, you know, guys fronting guys. They're going to run into a whole lot of gimmick defense. And and don't be surprised if if you see teams actually try to slow it down and take possessions out of the ball game. Um, You know, and then once you find out that, you know, Duke is human and they lose a game and stumble and, and, the team that beat them, once you find out how they beat them, it becomes a copycat league. So now all of a sudden, everybody will try that formula. So until someone figures it out, uh, I tell you what, everybody's got a handful right now. All right, Terry. Well, before we let you go, you, you, you've you been to Philadelphia quite a few times during your time with the Pistons. And uh, so when you came here, where'd you go to eat? <laughs> You know what? I think I I was uh I had the Philly steaks, man. Yeah. I think uh that yeah, I think that was the main thing. I mean, when you go to Philly's, I mean, you go to the Philly steaks, man. Uh, are you coming? Uh, are you are you guys coming out for the game? Um, yes, yes, we are. We're coming out for the game. I'll Jeff. probably end up getting in that night, but I think I will take a uh, Philly steak on for lunch. Uh, Jeff, Jeff may come bring you a cheesesteak. Okay. I'll be glad yep, to bring. Yep. I'll, I'll bring you a cheesesteak if you do me a favor and bring me some Mister Spots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long that would last. <laughs> not not long. Well, not long. Terry, long. Terry, thanks for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Have a great season, okay. Terry. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you. Thanks, thanks so much. Look at you, Jeff. You're trying to barter for food. I mean, that, that was... Well, if you had ever been to Mr. Spots at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning, I almost, you know. th- I almost thought you were going to say, I'll bring you a cheesesteak for tickets to the game or something like that. No, like, I thought I, you were going to go have, there. I'd you want food. You that, don't care about the game. Darn right. You, you'll watch it on TV with I, something I, to eat. I will tell you, look, and we're not even, we're not getting paid for any of the commercials. Mr. Spots is, is so good, especially at 1 o'clock in the morning, that when a couple years ago, when the Patriots went out to Detroit to play the Lions on Thanksgiving... Tom Brady had Mr. Spots cater. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with Mr. Spots, what is it? It's just a greasy spoon. It, 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 it's a, a little hole in the wall that has its own che- type of cheesesteaks, and it's got it's the best. It's not really a Philly cheesesteak. Ma- I didn't say it's a Philly <laughs> cheesesteak, uh, but it's, it's just got great Look at you defending Michigan. <laughs> You're right there. Before we go on, though, I did want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the, the criminal trial has ended for the, the shoemakers and 
sort of what's going on with potentially oh that's only the beginning paying players. It looks like the NCAA is going to get their chance to look over those court documents now and and see what kind of sanctions they want. How do you think that's going to impact what we see with college basketball? I mean, you've seen up to thirty teams, big name teams, and we wondered whether it would come out last year during March Madness. Do we go a whole season again where it's not an issue? What I'm what I'm surprised at is there are some big name coaches at some big name programs who have already been mentioned during that trial, and it surprises me without saying who they are um, that those oh, coaches allegedly. allegedly those coaches are still on the sidelines, knowing full well that if this stuff is true, there is a big problem coming down the pike for those programs yeah no doubt I, I just you know with the with the g league coming on and the increased salaries there uh the changing potentially of these one and done rules i just wonder what the the landscape of college basketball is going to look like obviously for a program that you root for like like michigan with beeline mm-hmm. he doesn't recruit a lot of those one and dones he looks for more of the long-term no, commitment. No, I, th- I think he benefits from something, from from the G League stuff and from this the scandal that's been going on because he's not going to be touched by it. And I think that a lot of parents, having been around when I was in college back in the day. Um, <laughs> what, what, is, day is, what day, is, Jeff? Is, is, <laughs> back, back in the last century. Um, that there was a lot of the players that I knew had been – some of them had been offered money by other schools. And a lot of the reason that they came to a school like Michigan with Bo Schembechler was because they knew that it was clean. And the, the parents were the ones that were very involved in the decision. And I think that, that we're now at a time where people are getting sick and tired of all the nonsense. And I think that parents are going to start getting back to that. So, And I think that the game will be somewhat cleaned up, not just because of the scandal, but because of the G League. Because now there's some place for players to go if they want to make money right away. Well, we will keep talking about college basketball through the season. You can catch the game here on 610 ESPN, Villanova, Michigan, on the 14th of November. Jeff, you will be sitting on your couch watching? Yeah, I assume I'm not allowed to say who I'm rooting for. <laughs> no, you're, you're on the Villanova station. You're not even allowed to talk about it right now. Let's talk a little college football for a second. Look, uh, I didn't take enough abuse when Villanova won last year. Oh, you'll take more. Don't oh, worry. Oh, of course. Have no fear. I mean, we're getting into Feel this, free, Villanova people, to be calling in next Friday to give me a hard time because I know who's winning that here, game, Here's too. the thing, though. Let me show you how little sympathy I have yeah. for the abuse you're getting is that we're going to talk about Rutgers in this oh, portion of the show. Oh, come on. I get to so, dish it out now. So, I really don't feel bad for you at all. But before we get to that huge matchup that Rutgers is okay. going to play this all weekend, right. let's talk about the real teams that are competing for things i mean michigan's obviously in it but they're playing Rutgers. so alabama's playing mississippi state still alabama is a beast they made lsu look silly last week alabama and clemson both look like that they're just unstoppable at this point it is not even a contest in some of these games so you're not worried you you know Um, you know what's amazing to me most about alabama is alabama has been good for a long time without a star quarterback they i i don't remember in the saban era them having a Tua is pretty much a star. Well, that's what I'm saying. Tua is a star. Yeah. But before that, they had what? Chris McCarron. Say his last name. Tagaloa. Tagaloa. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I just like finding fun names for you to say on the air without telling you in advance. I'll get you back. Don't worry. Of course. So you get Alabama going over Mississippi State. That's not really that surprising. Uh, Ohio is two of your favorite 
teams yeah. in college football. Uh-huh. Are you just rooting for both of these teams to lose? Ohio State is playing Michigan State. No, there I'm, can't I'm, be a tie. And I don't think it's going to be weathered out. So who do you... You what, never know. What do you think will happen in this game? I, I think that Ohio State bounces back, but Michigan State's got a really good defense. Um, Ohio State's strength is their offense. Their defense is, is in real trouble, especially since Bosa left the program. So it's I think it's going to be... It, all you're going to want to watch is is when Ohio State's on offense and Michigan State's on defense, and I think Ohio State's going to pull it out, even though it's in Lansing. You'll be rooting for Urban Meyer. No, I can't. <laughs> look, I didn't root for Urban Meyer when he was at Florida. I didn't root for Urban Meyer when he was at Utah. He, there's just something about him that rubs me the wrong. The way. next two games, I'll ask you about the impact of cold weather. Clemson mm-hmm. playing at Boston College. You think Won't the weather matter. will slow them down at all? It might. Well, Boston College has a good defense. Yes. Um, so that will slow them down. But what they did last week was... They were a machine. They yeah. just took them apart. Right. And, and they have Etienne, who is a, a really good running back. Um, sometimes he averages 10 yards you know, per rush. And they have a true freshman quarterback who's very good in Lawrence. So I, I still think that Clemson wins by two touchdowns, but I don't think they score 77 points. You mentioned the quarterback. Notre Dame will be without their starting quarterback, Ian Book. Mm-hmm. Florida State coming into the cold at Notre Dame, 20 degrees. Florida State not having a good season. I don't Florida really think the, State stinks. Yeah, I don't think the quarterback yeah, out is really going to It will make a difference. One. All right, Jeff, we're on to the big game of the weekend. Michigan at Rutgers. You Go know, ahead. Let you me know, have it. Part of me wants to really revel in this, but it makes me nervous <laughs> because if you're if playing something Rutgers, happens, you should not be nervous. I know, but uh, if something happens, you will never will hear the never, end of it. I, I'm will, not playing, and I will never look, hear the end of it. I am just telling you honestly, you would never live it down. I know. Ever. I would remind you about this till the that, last moment that we do this show. That might be almost <clears> as big <throat> an upset as the Appalachian State game. It could get ugly. It's thirty. They are thirty-nine point favorites, are which, you, by the way, you, is only half of the differential are, from the game last game they but played. The question is: Now that you're in New Jersey and it's legal, are you taking that? <laughs> I would if I could get to a sports book. I would. You can do it on your phone. Don't yeah, worry. Cause, cause you're I, all good. I I don't because th- I think what's going to happen is Michigan lost its second string quarterback. And that made it seem like so. That's what? That's the guy you like, right? Yeah, McCaffrey. It's actually Dylan McCaffrey's brother mm-hmm. um, and Ed McCaffrey's son. Um, he's really good. If something happens to Shea Patterson, there's a problem because they had Peters, who was not good last year, and they have a stud quarterback who's a true freshman in Joe Milton. So the thing that I think most people who are interested in, in the college football playoff are going to be most interested in is not Shea Patterson. It's going to be whether he gets out of there healthy and who comes in next. And I pray that it's Joe Milton and not Brandon Peters. Well, uh, you pray that it happens in a blowout where it's not even close. The other over-under is how many text messages will I get during the game from you telling me about the score of the game? There there would be a lot, but, but the problem is it's going to be really cold and I'm not taking off my gloves Don't you have those you. gloves that you can no. text with fingers on? Apparently not. Come on, nope. Jeff. Mm-mm. All right. Lo- on the local front. Oh, you know what? You have Siri now, so I can I can talk into it and send it to <laughs> oh, you. I'm just so I lucky. I could use my watch. I'm just so lucky. Yes, you are. I can't Technology is going to make your life miserable. And look, I don't want to trash rockers mm-hmm. on the radio. I really don't. You have no choice. But, I mean, I can't be any remotely credible and try and defend what they've put on a football I don't know if I've product. asked you this before on the air, but does Chris Ash survive this year? I mean, he'll make it for the does next three years. Does he or should he? Because I don't think he does should, he? but I don't know if he does. Doesn't. I think he should be gone. Right. But I don't 
know whether the university makes a change. They've had so much instability between coaches and the football front, the basketball front, and, the, and their AD. I, I don't know whether they want to rock that boat again, but he's as of now, he has not built Why would anything. you? Okay, now, the phrase rock the boat comes from you don't want to do something because it might tip over and you might sink. You've sunk. The Rutgers has had enough challenges in the last few years that I just don't know if they want to go. I'm not saying they shouldn't. So, I'm just telling but what you. what would be the point of that? Okay, so you have a stable, stinky team? I mean, what's... Look, the, 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 you're not you're not rocking Jeff, the boat. Other than like two years, they've been a stable, stinky <laughs> team since I went there as an undergrad in the late '90s. So. Yeah, but right now they they haven't won a Big Ten game. They're one and eight this year. Everybody predicted they wouldn't win a Big Ten game when they went to the Big Ten. I mean, this is not surprising. It, They're it, not good enough to be in the Big Ten, and they still haven't recruited on a Big Ten level. They may be getting additional exposure, but they're not doing anything positive with it. They're not playing and building a program yet. No, you, you, know, Ru- you know what Rutgers has turned into? Rutgers has turned into a great place for alumni like me to go see their team. So when Ohio State comes in, that's when they get the, all the Ohio State people. When Michigan State comes, when Penn State comes, when Michigan comes, they all go to Rutgers. Because mm-hmm. they the can games. get in. Right. Good seats, not uh-huh. too expensive, you right. can get in. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I understand that. But that's, I mean, but that's not why you join a, a conference. I mean, this, you, they, are, they are the doormat of the league in every major they sport. They joined the conference for additional exposure and funding. The conference well, the, wanted them because— They did it for the Big Ten Network. The funding. Each team gets a the mo- ton of money That's from the what Big they Ten wanted. Network. The conference wanted the New York market. This wasn't about whether Rutgers teams were good enough to play in the Big Ten. This was a financial transaction. And for people to to try and act like, oh, this was about the quality of the sports, it wasn't it, from either side. Yeah, but you have to try. You, you have to build well, they, something. I think they're trying. They're just not well, doing no, but well. If, if, if they keep Chris Ash beyond this I year, mean, like, they're not trying. Their quarterback, uh, Sikowski, who's Rutgers right. quarterback, looked at Michigan. I mean, it's not right. like he didn't look at big programs. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't gotten it done. Their defense hasn't given up an amazing amount of points. Their offense can't score. Right. So, I mean, that's sort of what you end up with. I hate when you make me defend Rutgers uh, on the radio. Well, no, show. it's good that you defend your school. But I, I, just, I just think that Rutgers need, shouldn't sit there and say, oh, no, we don't want to rock the boat because we haven't had a big scandal under Chris Ash. You have They've to find— They've had the- plenty of people dismissed from the team. They've had their own issues. Okay, so then— A few so- weeks ago, somebody on the team was taken off and charged with attempted murder. Like, seriously, they have had issues with that program. It's not like there haven't been there. I just don't know if they want to make another change. They that, have to. That I they didn't. Have I didn't to. say they don't have to. Yeah. They should. Mm-hmm. Locally on the on the front, uh, Temple tough loss last week to Central Florida, bouncing back. What do you think, Coach Collins will do in a game against Houston this week? Ooh, it's going to be a high scoring affair. That should be a shootout because yes. Temple can put up points, and mm-hmm. Houston runs that wide open offense. That'll be an entertaining game for people who want to watch uh, it. If the the over under should I don't know what it is. I haven't looked at the line, but it's got to be over seventy. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Currently, Temple is second in the AAC West. So, I mean, look, they're playing, they're playing good football. They mm-hmm. did not play bad football against Central Florida. They just no. couldn't keep up. Right. They, they just don't have the guns. They need but, more horses on but defense. They yeah. they had a wide open offense and mm-hmm. put up a ton of yards and points. Uh, Villanova back at it here on six ten ESPN at one o'clock game against Villanova against William and Mary. Who you got? Uh, well, I, I'd like to say Villanova, but they've kind of had a tough season. Yeah, they have. <laughs> they, Although they just, beat they beat Temple. They did beat mm-hmm. Temple, so that's... You know who the other local good team is around here? Yeah. Princeton. Okay. Princeton's undefeated. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe we should go to some of their go games. See, go see some Ivy League. There we go. Does, can the Ivy League... What, what 
division are they in? Why do you ask me these questions? I don't know. They're in the Ivy League. (laughs) I guess they do they have a bowl or they just have a playoff? Why don't you research it during the break and we'll have it when we come back. Uh, I don't follow Ivy League football. Sorry. Stick with us when we come back. We preview Eagles Dallas, a little pro sports going on the sports world. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. You can hop on at 888-728-9941. Jeff, we got so into talking about you sleeping out for Covenant House, which is obviously extremely important, and we'll have the information on our social media accounts if people want to contribute and support you, right? Yeah, I mean, people, please consider uh, donating. to It's an amazing cause, um, and if I'm going to sleep outside... <laughs> Pick pictures, please. Um, you can catch our. I, I can tell you, I won't say who, but 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 somebody did actually call me and say to me, "Look, the thought of you outside all night I, sleeping was worth every." Penny. It's kind of one of those things where, like, some people just want to support you to see you do it. I think, right. <laughs> like, it's like it's a good cause, but it, they also great, want to see. It, it is a great cause, and uh, and hopefully we're able to raise awareness and continue to do things like this. And if you missed the show last week, you can catch our interview with the executive director of Covenant House and the NFL. Uh, Players uh, Alumni Association from Philadelphia. Where? Uh, on our website, www.theheartofsports.org. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. Now we, you can ask your question. We moved so ahead. fast into it. Um, what, did you watch Thursday Night Football? I didn't get to open the show with my normal question. Yes. Wow. See? You, what you, changed? you asked me before we went in the air. I said, I'm not answering the question because I want to see the look what, on your what, face. What, what, with the watch, what happened? I don't know. You just felt moved? The game interested me. Until it started? <laughs> No, well, I mean, look, the Panthers drove down the field, scored a touchdown, right? And and then on the first play from scrimmage, Ben Roethlisberger, seventy five yards, chucks it down to Schuster, and it was, I mean, it was game on, and and the Steelers looked great. They put up so the over under. Like, by the way, the Panthers are a very good defense. The over under on that game was fifty points. Yeah, the Steelers put up fifty two. It's and it's look. It's another Thursday night blowout, though. When you look at it, you can talk about the quality of the game and it interested you for a while. But mm-hmm. when you look back at the end of the season and the scores, another Thursday well, night blowout. I, I was I was looking at the defenses from Thursday night, and if you look, there is a pattern that the team that is traveling for Thursday night games plays horribly. Not the offense, but the defense that is the away team. For some reason, and I think it's just you just don't have enough time to put in the the, the defensive pro play. 
you don't have uh, i don't know what happened there um <laughs> you, you i could have called out that but yeah, I, I was no, gonna you, let it go i know and and you just you called yourself out for stumbling over your own words that's there. right <laughs> it's it, you don't have enough time to put in the playbook you don't have enough time to watch film. It, you just don't have enough time as a defense, and there is more work to do as a defense, in my mind, than there is as an offense. Well, let's, and so the offense has an advantage on Thursday night, especially when the other team is traveling. Let's get to the big game locally this week. Uh, Eagles playing Sunday night football. They're 4-4 four and four now, getting back off the bye against the 3-5 and five Dallas Cowboys. Jeff? It just doesn't seem like a rivalry anymore, does it? Uh... Well, you have to win. <laughs> I, I mean, the Cowboys haven't won in so long. Well, look, and it, and it made a little I kid was, a little kid sad. And I, you know, there you, there was a seven year old, yeah. who wrote a letter to Jerry Jones this week, <laughs> um, with the second paragraph that's readable. <laughs> the second paragraph starting with "You've made my mom very mad because we suck" in all caps. Every game day, she's yelling at the TV and turns off the game. This is a seven year old. Yeah, he's being scarred by being a Dallas fan. Well, it's it's child abuse, basically, isn't it? <laughs> I don't want to demean what child abuse is. It's bad. It's bad parenting. It is. It is be, making your kid a Cowboys fan is bad. You're right. It's bad. It's, parenting. it's bad parenting. Right. But OK, so the link should be rocking They're They're back in their black. And I put in there that the Eagles. Had oh, a, are they back with the black? Uniforms? They're wearing the black uniform Saturday night. You I, like the black uniforms no, better I told than the green? You, I want the Kelly green. I told you what I want the alternate okay. jerseys to be. Uh-huh. I stick by my point. I like those unis. That's what I want. I'm not going to get it you for a long time. You, you don't have pull in the organization that you can get the unis you want? I know you. I'm not in the organization. Uh, but you, you know, know I, I still don't under. You know, last year we were told, I don't remember who told us this, that the Eagles couldn't have the Kelly Green as their alternate because it would look silly with the dark green helmet. Yeah, they need to put the, the extra and the, color and that in the supposedly the NFL wouldn't allow them two separate helmets. And I don't buy that at all because there are lots of teams that have two separate helmets. You should contact the NFL. So I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what the, what the issue is. So there. I tried to be optimistic and say that the Eagles had a good week and you called me out. So I'm going to go through why I thought the Eagles had a good off week. And, uh, you and I get can, to be half empty. You guy, can then come in sure. with the glass half empty. Okay, they got a little bit healthier. Tim Jernigan potentially on his way to returning. Darren Sproles was on his way no, to No, you're returning. supposed to do the positive part. That was the that, positive. That, he was that, on his it? way to return. I'll get there. Okay. Um, Redskins lost. Dallas lost. Right. Both of them had significant injuries. You know what's sad? You don't even have to say the Giants lost. It's just assumed. Well, yeah. <laughs> it is. But, I mean, the, the Redskins lost, like, their whole offensive line. Literally, they, they have... Nobody. I think they have one starter left right now. Uh, Dallas will be without Sean Lee this week. They may be without some other people on defensive line. They do have Amari Cooper. Um, get me the bad now. What happened wrong, Jack? Well, you already said it. It was da- Darren Sproles. The whole situation with Darryl's, Darren Sproles was handled poorly in my mind. So, so they act. Darren Sproles was going to come back, right? And thirty-five. Came, and it's important to say this: thirty-five-year-old Darren Sproles came, coming back from a hamstring was going to come back from, right. to practice and to make room for him on the roster. The Eagles released DeAndre Carter, who mm-hmm. has been a relatively good surprise at returning punts. Punt, and it, you can't just put anybody back there to punt return. No, I have nightmares of Greg Lewis back there catching punts. Still. So, so you know, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks about Daryl when Darren Sproles is coming back, and I kept saying it's a hamstring injury; they linger, and as you get older, 
they become a bigger problem. So he came back to practice? So he comes back to practice, and boom, he re-injures it. Okay. Why would you release DeAndre Carter before Sproles even played a game? Do you think that they thought they'd be able to get him back? Because now he was signed with by the Texans, and they're not getting him back. Do you think they thought that they could put him out there and always bring him back, put him on the practice squad? It's not squad? something you roll the dice with. Punt returning is a big problem in this league. And once you get somebody who can just catch it, it's 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 actually very – try throwing a football up really high and with wind and the way it wobbles and the way it curves – it is a problem catching punts, and especially when the weather is not great. As it gets colder and it gets rainy or snow, it becomes an even bigger problem. So are you telling me that nobody else on that roster was was less or more expendable than he was? I don't, really- I, I don't get it. And, and, I, and I don't get it because hamstring injuries are notoriously something that lingers. So why do this? Well, they did it. And, and then Doug gets mad. When people ask him about yeah, you're, it. Okay, so you're on the I don't like Doug getting mad bandwagon this no, week. No, well, I, I don't mind coaches getting bad. He, he has the right to, to say he does know more than us because he does. But the, the arrogance with which he's handling things this year is surprising to me. Because he's he's got outwardly, he may not be in the locker room. Yeah. We don't know what's going on in the locker room, but his dealings with the media have you are hostile. You're, you're in not, my mind, and and and, and you I, believe unwarranted. Yeah, I, I look. You know what the media's job is? Just answer the question. Don't don't act like you had to know the question's going to come up, don't you? I mean, with Sproles, you had to know that once you you announced that he was injured again, people were going to ask, now what are you going to do? How did you not know that a 35-year-old's hamstring may not recover as quickly as you thought? Why don't you have a backup plan? I thought those were legitimate questions to ask without getting testy about it. Apparently, Coach did not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I just I find that look. I don't like the way Bill Belichick does it. I don't like the way all sorts of these coaches do it. it. It's you know part of your job is to go out there and stand in front of that screen and answer the questions for fifteen twenty minutes. And I'm pretty sure you can do that and hold your head high and and do it respectfully. Well, we'll see if Golden Tate ends up back to return some punts. He's done that before, but he has a really good opportunity to make a great first impression. When Tate was with the Lions in Week Four, he lit up the Cowboys for 132 yards on eight targets and two touchdowns. So he, he's got the chance to to have a big game. The Cowboys at their slot corner, and they've Sean, had issues. And, well, and keep this in mind. Sean, I think Sean Lee played that In first that game, time. and he's going to be out in this game. Sean Lee is a big part of the Cowboys' slot area on defense. And now you have Golden Tate coming in who kind of ripped them apart with, with Matt Stafford. What he could do with Carson Wentz, who... Or anything else you're worried about with the Eagles. Carson Wentz is not something you need to worry about. It'll be something to watch how they use the slot receivers with both Aguilar and Tate now uh, in this game, given the challenges that, that Dallas has had mm-hmm. with that, that corner issue there and they're, they're thin at defense. Well, do you move Tate to the slot and move Aguilar to the outside? Because Aguilar historically has not been great on the outside despite his speed. I try to get Aguilar back to the role that he had last year. I think they've got Aguilar trying to do too much right now. And I'm hoping that Tate takes a little bit of that pressure off 
Um, the, the fun thing with him is what he does after he gets the ball in his hand. Plus, he's a really good blocker, too. And so, you know, on those sweeps that you run with Aguilar, maybe you have three wide and you have Tate out there, you know, blocking for him and let Aguilar come around the outside. I wonder whether they become a more pass-happy offense because they I was, still don't have... I was just going to ask you, what's, the, <clears throat> what's your over-under on how many times they're going to run the ball? Well, Because look, if you look at the weapons that Carson now has, he now has Aguilar, Jeffrey, Tate, Ertz, Dallas. So you got five guys. Legit weapon. Yes. And then your running back's coming out of the out. The, the okay, so, so so what's the over-under on how many times they're going to run the ball? I think it depends on the score. Oh, stop. No, because, Give me a number. Because I don't think they're going to run. I think they're going to come out passing, but if they get a lead, they're you'll end up with pass. more no, runs in the game. No, no, no. no they're not going to. My my bigger concern is... Have you not seen that happen this year? But my bigger concern isn't how many runs they get. It's the protection that the runners have when they're in the game. How many times? Over-under. How many times they're going to run the ball? I think it'll be under 15. I don't think you're going to see a balanced offense in this game. Yeah, I just I'm with you that with the with the way the offensive line's been playing and the way that the running backs have been picking up the blitz, I and the ability of Carson Wentz to throw on the run, moving the pocket, and his additional comfort coming back on that leg. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see more rolling of the pocket, getting him out so that you don't have the blitz coming right up the middle on him, where you don't have Wendell Smallwood having to pick up a blitz and make it, missing that assignment. You better hope that they're not up something like 24-7 to 7 going into the middle of the third quarter and he just keeps passing. You, you, you have to dedicate yourself to the run. I wonder what the running back rotation is going to be, though. Smallwood? They still haven't committed to, to Corey Clement. And it seems like they want to work Josh Adams in more. He's all we got, remember? We all we got, we all we need, man. <laughs> that's, that's all we got. Eagles offensive line against the Cowboys' pass rush. Dallas is producing eight and a, 8.4% of their sacks on opponents' dropbacks, fifth best in the league. Lane Johnson may play, but, I mean, he's got injuries all over the place, Jeff. Right. Are you concerned about Vitae going up against Demarcus Lawrence this week? I'm I'm a I'm a little less concerned with Golden Tate coming here because I think they're going to go with two tight end sets. Uh, I think they're going to go with one back, and I think that they might go with three receivers or two receivers and a two tight end. And it is, if you have those two tight ends there, they can help out. Do you hold that? Do you keep them in for blocking? You have like one in Both. for blocking, one out on a route, or you have them yeah, chip well, and then go out? Exactly. Okay. Sometimes you keep them in. Sometimes you chip them. But you have, I mean, you have the luxury of two really good tight ends. No matter what, Wentz needs to improve his ball security. I mean, mm-hmm. if we're looking at it just dispassionately, you can think that Wentz has played really well. At the same time, he's got seven fumbles on the season. That's tied for third most among quarterbacks, and he hasn't played in every game. So that's something where they're going to be swatting at the ball. And this ball. was not a problem he had in college. That's what's so And it's not really at a problem that he had last season. Right. And so I'm not sure where that's come from, but his ball security is going to be important. If you're looking for areas for a young quarterback to continue to improve, mm-hmm. that's something you got to watch at. Can the Eagles' offense be patient against the Dallas defense? If you watch the Tennessee game, they averaged 8.3 yards per attempt on Monday night. They had 24 first downs on 340 yards. They really meticulously drove the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. The Eagles' offense really doesn't take huge shots. That's not... They're not a big play offense at times. They're they're catch and run. Yeah, but they could do that against the Cowboys. The Cowboys definitely have the holes that they can get away with that. So do you think that they'll be patient enough to try and exploit some of that, the yeah. Eagles? Uh-huh. Eagles offensive has gone three on out. I mean, on- remember, you have veteran receivers. These are not, uh, Aguilar is the youngest 
of their receivers, right? So I mean, you have Jeffrey and you have Tate. You have you have veteran guys that that will be patient looking for the holes, and I think Carson's. However, if you're looking at the flip side of that, the Eagles' offense has gone three and out on one out of every four plays, 24.7%, and which is ranked 27th in the league. Dallas, on the other side, is forced three and outs 27% of the time. That's ranked fourth best in the league. Mm-hmm. So for Dallas's struggles, they have gotten off the field at time with three and outs. It's, you know, everything else that they've done. Right. Uh, Amari Cooper. Boy, that, that, that Dak-Zeke um, Elliott combo went from superstar to... Nothing, pretty quickly. Do you think that Amari Cooper impacts that at all? I think it's he's a better receiver than they have. Amari Cooper has not been a standout over the last couple seasons. He played 85% of the snaps in his first game for Dallas, caught five balls for 58 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. So, I mean, he made an impact, but not game-breaker impact. And right. he hasn't really had those games that were game-breaker since last year before Derek Carr got injured, basically, for, for Oakland. Um Eagles defense has some injuries. Jalen Mill and Jalen Mills and Sidney Jones likely to be out. So you're going to see Amari Cooper going up against Ronald Darby. You're going to see him going up against Rasul Douglas. Any concerns there, or do you feel better because he won't get bit on the double move? <laughs> you're looking at me as I'm smiling, going, "Well, you know, Jalen Mills is you said Jalen Mills is out." Okay, that just means somebody's not getting burned. There was, uh, I think it was... Jalen Mills is becoming this generation's Elvis Patterson. And for those that don't remember Elvis Patterson, he had a nickname. Do you remember his nickname? No, it was it? Toast. Toast? Yes. Yeah. It's, and Jalen uh, Mills is getting... To- he's going to have to have burnt green on his hair. They did claim uh, Craven LeBlanc off of waivers and Ooh. let go of Dexter McDougal. So he'll probably play in, in nickel if, yeah. if Jones doesn't play. Um Cowboys have not been able to run a defensive game at all. Uh, their struggles have been terrible. What do you think against this Eagles defense for the Cowboys this week? I think they'll be fine. You think they'll be okay? Yeah. D-line's getting healthier. The Cowboys are allowing ten point, uh, sacks on 10.5 Dak Prescott's dropbacks. You're not? No. I just think I don't think the Cowboys are very good. So will you take a win as this team's in good shape or they should just win? They should just win. They should just win. Uh-huh. So winning doesn't uh, if really... If they lose, it's a problem. If they win, it's something they should take care of. Okay. Um, thankfully, the This e- division stinks. So and, and, and the Eagles, despite sh- where they are now, they should win this division. They easily. should continue winning and, and should win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go to the AFC East for just one second, Jeff. How would you like to be a Buffalo Bills fan? Well, apparently... The Buffalo Bills fans are very charitable too. So they ha- they decided to start a GoFundMe page, and it's for a charity, I guess, of sorts. It's, it's aptly called- named the Nathan Peterman <laughs> Please Retire page. It's raised one hundred and fifty seven dollars of its one million dollar goal as oh, of can Wednesday I, can afternoon. Can I read the? Can I read the? Uh, you read the. You read the paragraph of what so, the Bills fans are offering to Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterson, we understand your passion to play football and especially in the NFL, but please, for the love of God, retire and leave and never come back. All caps. We will give you money. Just leave. Poor Bills fans. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Bills fans. I just... Anybody want Tyrod Taylor back in Buffalo? <laughs> what, what do you even say to that, man? What do you even? Uh, you know what? Uh, as you see, I'm wearing a Pitt sweatshirt. But remember, I, I am a I am a Pitt 
grad as but well as a Michigan just grad. Just remember, Colin Kaepernick's not good enough to play in the NFL. <laughs> Bills fans are trying to make a GoFundMe to go away. I, I'm telling you, look, you, we, we know what I do is a day job. It's an attorney. And if, if I had that lawsuit that Colin Kaepernick had, the first witness that I call in that trial... Nathan Peterman? Is, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's it, Or Nathan Peterman's offensive coordinator. Anybody in the league you want. And, and just talk about Nathan Peterman. All right. Let's uh, leave the football on the field right there. Move to a little basketball with the Sixers. Jeff, they got their first road win. They did. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they won on the road. <laughs> they're 7-5 and five on the season. They beat Indiana on Wednesday night. And they're home tonight against Charlotte. You're going down there, right? Yes. Uh-huh. All right. What are you looking for tonight? What What do you want to see tonight? I, because I there want... were some things that – before you – there were some yeah. things that were interesting to me. I don't think in the long term – they're going to play small ball, but they've been experimenting with some smaller lineups. They've had Fultz, Reddick, Shamit, Covington, and Beat on the floor. They don't have a choice. They've had Simmons, Shamit, Fultz, Chandler, and Sarich on the floor. With kind of Sarich playing center. It's a really odd, well, odd But they don't lineup. have a choice. They don't have a backup center. They brought Bolden back up, so he'll yeah. be on the bench tonight. Brought him back from the Blue But he's Coats. not really a center either. Is I mean, he may be tall enough to be a center, but he is not. A, he he's not a big body. He can shoot a little. I mean, he tore it up in his couple games in the G League, but he's not getting much time up here, which is why it's good that he's getting some time down there. So what are you looking for tonight? I I want desperately to see Ben Simmons shoot the ball. So are you going to be one of those guys in the crowd every time Fultz and Simmons get the ball going, shoot? Is that what you're going to be doing? Well, are, are we now at a point where we don't have to cheer Markel every time he touches the ball? I don't know. You'll be down there tonight. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't cheer him every time he touches the ball anyway, but I'm in my it's, living room. It's like, yay, go ahead, shoot the ball. But uh, first of all, they can't be on the court at the same He's time. He's maddening, though, because on one play, he could Who? have a great— uh, Markel Fultz could have a great steal on one play right. and then just a defensive lapse completely on the next play. He's and, very he's very undisciplined. Yeah. Yeah. It, his body language is you know not something that you necessarily want to see at times either. Now, I, I just—Ben, I've— been to enough practices to see that Ben Simmons can shoot. He has the right form. He can shoot the ball. I don't understand why he won't take a 10, 15 foot jumper because the reason, if you noticed his, his turnovers are going up dramatically. And the reason this turnovers are going up is because if I'm on defense, I know to collapse because Ben's either going to try laying it up or dunking it or passing it off. He is not going to shoot it. So they just fall back. And he, even if he shoots 40%, I'm good with that because he needs to let the defense know that he's going to shoot it. Sort of like an NFL team taking a shot deep to loosen up the defense. Right. You have to keep them disciplined, otherwise they'll pack it in and, and over-rotate. Yeah, and, and, and I hate to say this, Brett Brown, they say that Brett Brown has been a little tough in the locker room lately. He needs to be more than tough in the locker room. What he needs to do is he needs to do the same thing that they do with baseball. When somebody's not hitting, what do they do? Or he's not taking pitches or something like that, what do they do? They move him down in the lineup, right? Ben Simmons needs to be told, you know what? If you're not going to shoot, we're moving you to the four. When you decide you're going to shoot, then we'll move you back to point guard. Can they win with him playing at the four? Or is that just a tactic in your mind to try and get him to do something that you want? It's more a tactic. I think he can play the four. He's he's tall enough to play the four. He's strong enough to play the four. He's certainly athletic enough to play the four. And he's a good defender. So he can do that. The problem is, is I don't know what they need. 
everybody's worried about what Markel and his sensitivity and whether he's going to shoot the ball. Ben Simmons will not shoot the ball. He just won't. Everything is a dunk or a layup. And and you have to at least try. The it's dunks fi- and layups very- look nice. Oh, his dun- his dunks are incredible. I'm just saying. But <laughs> but it, he would be an he is a great player who has a chance to be a transcendent type player if he just uses the skill. I swear to you people, I have seen it for myself. He can shoot the ball. He just needs to. Well, we'll see whether he puts it up tonight. Uh, We'll listen for you in the crowd yelling, shoot. Don't get yourself (laughs) tossed. Uh, Mike Muscala out with an injury, broke his nose in practice, colliding with TJ McConnell. Oh, did they say TJ did it? Yeah, he collided with TJ in practice. He'll he'll have to wear a mask when he comes back. Maybe he can talk to Joel Embiid about that. How did he collide with TJ and break his nose? Is that a short joke, Jeff? Yes. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I just see these things coming. I'm not even stepping in your traps anymore. Um, what else are you seeing with the Sixers? How do you feel about the team right now? They've got a winning record. They're finally good. got a road win, playing They're well good. at home. They're not great right now. Okay. They, they still not. I still don't think that Fultz and Simmons belong on the court at the same time. I, I think JJ, they both play better when they're not on the court together. Right, and I think J.J. moving back to his position, because J.J.'s having some difficulty shooting lately, three-pointers, and I think that he needs to get, three-pointer guys need to get in rhythm. Landry Shamit keeps getting more time, and, and he sort of, he runs a lot of the same plays as J.J. Right. He r- runs off screens, he mm-hmm. sets picks. It's it's interesting to see how they're using him in this lineup as well. But I think that if, if you have Landry with Markel and you have Simmons with J.J. or vice versa and just keep it that way, they develop more of a rapport with each other. I, I don't. As much as I like J.J. starting with Simmons, I might put Landry there so that you have a little more experience on your you know bench with Reddick coming off with Fultz. Either way is fine. I just think that they should keep it that way and Markel should be in the se- as a second line point guard. All right. Well, you'll tell me what happens when we uh when we talk well, next week. Well, before we go since we talked about the Eagles uniforms and your love of the Kelly Green, did you see the City Edition jersey? Yeah, I kind of like them. You do. I do. My kids said the same thing. I'm not a big fan. I'm not sure why, actually. Cause be- because it's kind of Rocky-esque? I mean, that's what it's supposed to be after. I don't know. You know, like the shorts look like, but kind of like boxing shorts. I, I thought it looked like, kind of cool. I'm not a fan. I'm not surprised. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is my surprise face, Jeff. Did uh, you see all the other... Uh, I did. I, I like some of them. I hate some of them. Some Do you like them. the Miami one? It's another Miami Vice thing? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's, yeah. all, right, all, right, all right. Whatever. Um, and by the way, if you're looking for more information on the up-and-coming potential Sixers, you can catch our Blue Coach show, The Regiment, uh, each and every Thursday. We debuted last night, 6 to 6.30, here on 610 ESPN. And we had two pretty good guests. We did. We had Shake Milton and Demetrius Jackson, the two re- two-way players who mm-hmm. are on both Sixers and the Blue Coats. So you can give that a listen, and we'll be on next week from 6 to 6.30. Flyers, Jeff, they're 8-7-1. And, and, and one. don't forget, the week after, we're going live down to the Wells Fargo Center. We'll be down there. Yeah. They'll be giving away the Joel Embiid bobblehead doll if you want to get, get your tickets uh, November 20th down there at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, Jeff, before we finish up the show, let's do a little Flyers. Flyers. Uh, 8-7-1 now. Coach caught himself saying that the team played gritty last night. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. (laughs) He wasn't a fan. Gritty was dressed as Santa. He wasn't a fan once he did it, too. In fact, Haxtell caught himself and said, I can't believe I just said that. It was an entertaining press conference. Did he actually smile? A little bit. A little bit. 
He was pretty excited after they won. Flyers are now... They're, it was the Coyotes. They're 4-0 and 1 on, in their last five games, right. winning four on the road. Mm-hmm. They started a five-game homestand last night against the Coyotes, winning in overtime, but blowing a huge lead. They're up 2 nothing. Next thing I know, they're down 4-2, trying to fight back. Uh, you know, showed, as I, the coach I said, am, a lot of grit. <laughs> I, I am extremely frustrated with the Flyers because of their defense. Their defense continues to turn their, the puck over in their own end. And it drives me nuts. It's something that you learn when you're a little kid playing hockey. And and Provorov, who is a very good defenseman, seems to do it a lot lately. And he he just he needs to stop doing. I'd rather him ice the puck than constantly turn it over because he turns it over in front of the net. They have a, they've had a lot of turnovers. It's look, we'll see if they keep playing well. They're giving up a lot of shorthanded goals and a lot of mistakes. And it just, they need to clean that up. Uh, Brian Elliott needs to not get hurt in practice. No, 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 no. The Alex Lyon needs to come in and play well. Well, Picard doesn't seem to be the answer. No, he's not. That, that's for sure. He's not. He's... Neuverth will never, be ha- will never be healthy. And Elliott is going to be Elliott. He's going to have one good game where he gives up one or two goals, and then he's going to have three bad games. Jeff, last minute of the show, Bob Nightingale says there's a 90% chance the executives think that Bryce Harper signs with the Phillies. Talk about just throwing a number in the air. That's I mean, uh, if Nightingale, how do you get 90%? I, I, I don't know. Is it, are we going to do la- math in the last I minute, or are you going to give me an opinion on I don't on? want him. I, I really don't. How about I, Craig Kimbrell? You've, they've heard no, his name mentioned. Don't want him either. So you don't like any of the people being mentioned now for the Phillies? No, I told yet. you what I want. And and, and uh, what worries me is if you put $300 million into Bryce Harper in a year and a half, who's a free agent? Mike Trout. And they're not going to be able to afford him. That's all you want. You want Mike Trout. Yes, because I think it'll change the dynamic of, of the way this city sees the Phillies. Well, I'm going to let you have the last word for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to join us next Friday night as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we will be back to talk to you next week. Bye-bye.